This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put, oh, he's going hard. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, in studio with a now fully recovered Mike Craven. Mike, welcome back, man. Germ free. Germ free, hopefully. At least. I would hope I so. Know. You're it's sitting pretty close to us. <laughs> and it's been a while now. <laughs> COVID germ free. There you go. <laughs> yes, there you go. According to all the info we have about COVID now, uh, theoretically should be germ free. So happy to have you back. Sounds good for like 90 days, apparently. I'm like as good as my immune system there you go. can get. You yeah. know, like if I, so what the doctor told me, if you're feeling bad over the next 90 days, it's not COVID. Okay. You there know, you go. so I'm good. You're just unhealthy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's a cold. It's just, right, it's pneumonia sick. or something else. But. And that other laugh you heard was producer Mal Pal. Mallory, how are you doing? Doing well. <laughs> that annoying other laugh you heard? Oh, yeah, that's just the producer over there. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so... Uh, episode 189, if I believe. One eighty nine. Oh man. Okay. I should Almost probably start it. referencing the numbers more. Um, we have another interview coming up for you guys after we get through some headlines, just a couple today. Uh, this interview is a little bit, I won't say off the beaten path, but somebody, a personality that I, I don't think gets enough attention probably due to it. Maybe, maybe he prefers it that way. Uh, North Texas head coach, Seth Luttrell. If you've looked at the episode title already, um, Mike Craven sat down with him on Monday or Tuesday, I believe. We're recording this on Wednesday. Yep, he sat Tuesday. down with him on Tuesday. Tuesday um, morning. Yeah. And like I said, I'm going to keep reiterating this. This is mostly about just his rise as a coach, what he does in his spare time, what's what's Seth Luttrell like as a person. Because I think we – and again, I think he prefers it this way, but we only really see football Seth Luttrell. Right. And he is the type of personality – I've only interacted with him a couple times, but he's the type of person that personality that keeps it that way. He's a fullback. Exactly. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. A, yes. He was a yes. former fullback from a small town in Oklahoma. Yep. And we kind of talked about that. We talked about his time on Mike Leach's staff, which mm-hmm. I thought was cool. He's a two-time state champion in, in wrestling, wrestling yeah. in high school. Uh, he coached Gronk at Arizona. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we just kind of talked about kind of his life and journey through through college or through the college ranks, and I think it. I think he had a good time. I had a good time. It was fun to because, like you said, you know, he's one of the he's one of the guys you don't know as much about. Like sure. his story is not told as much as you know if you coach at A and M or Texas mm-hmm. or something like that. And so it was cool to like do the research on him as much as it was to do the interview just to kind of get to know him a little bit better. Yeah. yeah, he loosened up a bit too with us, which I thought was yeah, I got really a smile awesome. a couple times. Yeah, he did give chuckle. us. A, yeah, we'll post the full Zoom interview review on YouTube so you can watch it but I think this one's definitely worth posting on YouTube because you see a different side to Seth Luttrell that you may not see you know on the football field or something oh yeah 100% and it's a it's a good time to be Seth Luttrell too after the way that last year ended and Mm -hmm. made a good momentum swing into signing day and things like that so that'll be coming up after some headlines we only got two today but they're pretty pretty discussion worthy uh, first one, Baylor head coach Dave Aranda has indeed agreed to an extension, rightfully so, a uh, bit following a Big 12 championship and a Sugar Bowl win, a contract that runs through 2029, locking him down. Um, so I, I saw some discussion on Twitter about what do extensions mean in today's age? You know, like, do they mean anything anymore? And I get where that's coming from, right? Because, y- yes, a coach could sign a contract extension and leave next year or whatever, right? But that doesn't always mean that he's going to stay till 2029. But what it does is, one, obviously sets Baylor up for if he does decide to leave, sets them up for a financial payday to be able to find a new head coach or whatever, uh, give to the program, or, you know, it gives them uh, financial security. It also, to me, it locks them down at least for this year, right? There's no more, like, there was those, you know, we saw Aranda's name come up for LSU and kind of pop up in some Oklahoma. In some, Oklahoma. Uh, potentially the NFL. I think the NFL is obviously done with their head coaching searches now, but this at least locks him down for the year, right? And I think that's how I look at contract extensions personally is year to year, where it's like when they sign that extension, they're not going anywhere for that offseason, right? Because usually the buyout is something negotiated pretty hefty to be a last-second thing. Um, We saw with UTSA and Jeff Trailer. That isn't to say Jeff Trailer is going to be there for 10 years, but what that is to say is, 
Tech looked at that and was like, oof, oh, oh, you know, probably not gonna probably not gonna shell that much out for for him this year. Um, but regardless, I think it was a smart move. Of course, obvious move from Baylor, especially now that uh, uh, Aranda did have the cachet to say, like, look, LSU is looking at me, Oklahoma is looking at me. I'm perfectly fine with players, coaches, whatever, using their leverage to get the, to get these deals done. Yeah, and it protects Baylor, right? Like, yep. you, like you mentioned. What you're trying to do with those extensions is get the buyout to the point where that next school pays for your next staff. Yes. Right? So if Jeff Trailer eventually gets hired away from UTSA to go to, say, Texas or Texas A&M or a bigger school like that, now UTSA is going to use that buyout money to buy the next coach. And then hopefully things go correctly and use that buyout money to get the next coach. And it just kind of continues on. And then also, you know, maybe on a lesser extent, uh, recruiting. Yes, it gives you you can go into kids houses and go like, look, I'm extended through 2029. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be here for your whole career. Even if you redshirt, I'm going to be here. And that that helps with mom. That helps with dad, because you can point to some rivals where that's not necessarily true. You know, you can you can go, you know, Texas has a five and seven record. And you go, you know, who knows if Sarkeesian's going to be there in a couple years? Who knows how long Jimbo is going to coach? Well, I'm signed here from 2029. You can come, you know, Joey McGuire is unproven at Texas Tech. Sonny Dykes just got to TCU. I'm going to be here, and I've already won a Big 12 championship. So I think it's twofold. It, it protects Baylor, and it kind of gives them some buyout money for when that day comes or if that day comes. And then also on the recruiting trail, it's just another uh, sign to the parents and to the players that this program is going to be stable. And uh, the same one that you commit to is going to be the same one that you graduate from. Yep. And so I guess, yeah, just a little signal to the Big 12. Uh, the big dog's still hanging around. So we'll see if they can – Running back in some capacity, they have a lot of guys, uh, a lot of guys to replace. Obviously, but when you have the figurehead in place, eventually it just becomes uh, kind of a, a, a machine. Eventually, so hopefully that can continue for them. Other headline: uh, This one's more on the funny side to me. Um, <laughs> Conference USA revealed its 2022 conference schedule, including Southern Miss, Old Dominion, and Marshall. Which, if you did not pay attention, last week revealed. All, both, all three of those schools revealed that on June, in June 2022, they will be trying to terminate their contract early, and uh, they did not. It did not say if they would be joining the Sun Belt, but they're, you know, at the very least, obviously, be trying to go independent for a year, then maybe join Sun Belt, or we'll see what the Sun Belt thinks and try to bring them in. Who knows? But regardless, they released a <laughs> conference. USA released a schedule. Um, I don't know if it was Middle Tennessee tweeted out the schedule and had like a shrug emoji next to like, <laughs> next to all three of those teams. Uh, Jeff O'Malley, Marshall's interim athletic director, said that Conference USA's release of the football schedule does not alter the Thundering Herd's plan to leave Conference USA and play in the Sun Belt next fall. Now, there is some obviously when you look at the the Big Twelve and the SEC move, right? The what's the rumored buyout for Texas and Oklahoma that happened? Thirty million dollars. Thirty million dollars, oh right? Insane, right? So it's at the very least, you know, they're staying this year, right? You may be wondering, well, what's the buyout for? Conference USA, right? They gotta have some incentive. There's, there's no fine. <laughs> there's, there's no fine. There's, Brett M. Murphy tweeted out in the bylaws that there is, in the bylaws, there is a requirement to let them know a year ahead of time, but there's no fine. There's no penalty. Like, so it's just like, please, <laughs> it's just like, can you please let us know? <laughs> and because, so what, what the reason why this is happening is because apparently Southern Miss, Marshall, and Old Dominion claim that. Conference USA has been very dismissive of their like negotiation uh, uh, attempts. They've been that's what this is what they're saying, right? Conference USA really hasn't spoken that much about it. Um, I think that I think them releasing the schedule is them making their own statement about it, like you're not leaving. But this is what has been said by the three schools that are attempting that are uh, uh, going to the Sun Belt in the future is that their negotiation attempts to leave have not been heard, heard the way they wanted to, whatever. I think it's all funny because, again, I don't know. I think I, they could probably take legal action, right? If it is a contract, even though there's no monetary fine behind it, they could probably take it and get some type of uh, uh, payment out of it. But I just think it's hilarious that there's a bylaw in there that has no penalty. <laughs> you ever broken up with a significant other while you're still in a lease? 
That's what that's what this feels like, right? <laughs> yeah. We're like, yeah, how do you get out? You of know, that? like yeah. Conference USA, the house is in their name, right, you know, right. and they're like, hey, no, 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 you can't <laughs> you go somewhere. <laughs> like, I mean, I gotta, I, I'm gonna have to foot this whole bill myself. And then the other, then Marshall, they're they're the ones that are like, well, I'm just gonna go find an apartment and do my own thing. <laughs> that's what that's what this feels like to me. But there will be lawyers involved. Yeah. This thing will trickle into the summer and. Uh, from the state of Texas standpoint, I think the biggest thing to watch here is if those three schools leave, then the idea would be to replace them with the schools that you've invited in, and that includes mm-hmm. Sam Houston. And so was 2021 the last time we see Sam Houston play FCS football? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's to be seen, and I, I think that's going to be the biggest ripple effect of this deal. If Marshall and Southern Miss and Old Dominion leave, I do think that sets up an opportunity for Sam Houston to make that jump up this year and kind of fill that spot. And that would be you know, a pretty big deal for us, right? Yeah. It would t- take it to 13 FBS schools, and it would change a lot of stuff. So uh, I don't think it becomes one of those deals where, like, every you know, those three schools leave and now North Texas and, and UTSA right, right, and Rice right. are leaving. I, I think it stops there. I do yeah. think the only – kind of ripple effect that could happen is if like teams like James Madison, Sam Houston, just move up a year early from the FCS to the FBS level. Well, I think there's already a set plan for the six other schools that are leaving conference USA for the AAC to happen in 2023. Anyway, so they're, they're already expected. Okay. Okay. So like schools, you know, they're just changing it. Right. 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 You know, like Texas and OU aren't supposed to leave until 2025. Right. Right. I would be surprised if they try to make the jump early. If that happens. Yeah. You know, like, Everybody's going to try to act because once once everybody knows the divorce is happening, you just want it, want it to, to go be ahead, done. Yes. get it over right? with. I speak right. from experience. You just want it. You just like want it out of there. Right. Uh-huh. You just want to be able to start that next step of your life and not have all the questions and all, just all, everything that comes along with it. So. Uh, it will be interesting to see how that unfolds, but like ish, I mean, I, I, you know, it's hard when, when I got the email, the press release, like I just started chuckling, yeah. you know, cause it's just like, Oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is going to, this is going to be a messy, ugly divorce yeah. when it probably didn't have to be. Cusa has right. his fingers in his ear. going la, 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 la. Right. Right. Chris Vanini from the athletic, who's one of the best sources on G5 news in the country. Um, probably the best in my opinion, but he had us. Uh, so he said per source, Marshall, Southern Miss and Old Dominion were planning to join the Sunbelt in the fall of 2022 that was that was the kind of other mystery was like were they go independent would they go some the Sunbelt? right it wasn't done obviously because they haven't left yet but that was the future plan after they left um the claim according to uh, according to Vanini the claim is that conference USA won't even sit down to negotiate an early exit from their standpoint so that's why they're basically saying we'll leave and we'll let let the lawyers get involved mm-hmm. right they're they're basically threatening the conference usa to be like yes let the lawyers get involved because you won't talk to us and so. on the flip side if you're conference usa though why sit down and have that oh no 100 yeah no yeah, I'm, hey yeah. you're contracted you're not supposed to leave until a certain right date. like right. Well, there's nothing else to discuss and so and i USA, get why conference usa isn't coming to the table oh 100 they're already pissed how realignment turned out right. like mm-hmm. they're there they were left holding the, the, the biggest the biggest losers of of realignment Easily. was conference usa not, not close and so like yeah i wouldn't you know it's like no we're gonna we're about to lose so much revenue. We're going to hold on to what we can for at least another year. So, um, unfortunately, though, like we saw with Texas and the Big Twelve, and kind of negotiating their release in the future from the from the Big Twelve, I, it just feels like it's going to happen, right? It, once that, well, like you mentioned, once the wheels are in motion, it's just hard to be like. Okay, fine. We'll stay for another year. So egos get involved, pride gets involved, lawyers get involved. All those things just they lead to messy breakups, and it's hard to you know swims don't or sharks don't swim backwards, right? Yeah. Like you got to keep going forward or you die, and right. that that's true in all of these type of relationships. Yep. Speaking of a program in the Conference USA, but one that's stable. Got uh, mentioned the interview Seth Latrell, North Texas, uh, making the jump to the AAC in the future, but for now are perfectly happy with their Conference USA <laughs> schedule. Uh, a lot of expectations, uh, heading, a lot of question marks, but a lot of expectations, I feel like, heading into a year where they ended so well. Um, we actually had our first uh, magazine meeting, taking you behind the scenes. Uh, so we'll kind of be, I guess, like, through osmosis, we'll pr- probably be, like, having episodes talking about spring camp and all that stuff, just because we'll be in that mode of gathering stuff. Um, but until then, have an interview, just kind of getting to know Seth the Trail, the person. Seth the Trail... Uh, young Seth the Trail coach, what he what got him here, what got him to this position, um, and just all things about him. So, for without further ado, here is Mike Craven with Tech. Uh, excuse me, North Texas head coach Seth the Trail. So here with North Texas head coach Seth the Trail, coach. Thanks for uh, joining us here on the, on our podcast. 
I wanted to start kind of kind of back in your childhood. You grew up in Muskogee, o- Oklahoma. You know, when you were growing up, when you were in high school, you know, what's the most trouble you can get into in Muskogee, Oklahoma? Not much. It's all uh, most of the time. It's all family and friends down there. It's a pretty uh, tight knit community. And so, um, you know, when I grew up in a town, I, I was fortunate. Everybody kind of took care of everybody. I had a lot of mom and dads. Obviously, my, my parents were uh, unbelievable and great support and uh, did a great job. We had a big family down there. But to be honest with you, uh, we kind of lived in a neighborhood where everybody kind of took care of everybody. Uh, you know, we're always over at each other's houses and running around and uh, all the parents, uh, you know, had, had tight relationships with all with everybody. And so uh, I was raised by quite a few parents, to be honest with you. It was a pretty cool, pretty cool area to grow up in. Now, speaking of your dad, your dad played fullback at Oklahoma, won a couple of state cha- or a couple national championships there with the Sooners. Uh, when I hear fullback in the 70s, I think tough, strong guy. So how strict was the upbringing there for you? Uh, it was uh, obviously they they laid a great foundation, uh, not only my parents, but my grandparents, um, you know, growing up there. And um, obviously, uh, you know, they had high standards, but at the same time, you know, they parented very well. Uh, obviously, there was, um, you know, there was rights and wrongs. And, uh, you know, if you cross that boundary, uh, you know, uh, you know, we're always going to have to have a talk and, and sit down. But. You know, for the most part, again, uh, you know, I was very fortunate to have uh, a great family that, that uh, you know, we had we had great uh, Christian values growing up and uh, we had high standards for our family. Uh, but at the same time, it was uh, it was awesome. My grandparents lived right down the road. My cousins uh, lived right down the road. Um, and again, we were a very tight knit family uh, growing up. Um, and so it was uh, it was an awesome uh, area to be around. Did they have to do much recruiting to get you to Oklahoma or was that kind of a birthright situation? Yeah, I was, uh, you know, since I was, I was, you know, young growing up, you know, all I ever really talked to heard about was my dad and, and Oklahoma football, you know, it was huge around our community. And, um, and so I knew, you know, from an early age, uh, you know, I wanted to be just like him. I idled my dad and, um, you know, he, like I said, he was a, a great mentor for me. I, I had uh, really looked up to him and I knew if I got the opportunity and God blessed me with that opportunity, that's, uh, kind of what I wanted to do following his footsteps and hopefully one day, uh, you know, play for a national championship. And then before we get to college, in high school, you won a couple state wrestling titles. Kind of where did the love for wrestling come from? Kind of when did you kind of know that was something you excelled at? How did, how did that all come about? Well, growing up, uh, I started when I was five years old. Uh, all of my cousins, myself, um, you know, we had a great youth program. Our, uh, our high school wrestling coach, uh, you know, kind of ran the youth program there as well. Um, and he was a great coach, uh, great in the community, uh, Coach Jefferson. And and so by the time we were five years old, uh, me and my cousins, uh, we'd go out and we'd wrestle. And I'll be honest with you, for the first couple of years, uh, I was not good at all. I don't even know if I won a match in two years. And so, um, but just sticking with it and, um, you know, all of us would sit and uh, we always had Sunday dinners uh, at my grandma's house. All the cousins, we'd go out and run around, but we were wrestling half the time as well. And so uh, you got good in a hurry, you're going to get, uh, you're going to get whipped every single weekend. So. Um, it was a great experience for me. It taught me a lot of great life lessons, um, you know, not only, um, you know, how to be independent uh, on your own when you go out on that wrestling mat, it, it's you and another person. And so it's kind of all on you, but, uh, you know, it taught you mental toughness and uh, but a lot of things, even with football, great balance, uh, your leverage. Um, and so it really helped me excel uh, really uh, later on in my future when it came to football. Did y'all ever accidentally break grandma's, you know, coffee we table? We broke a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. We broke a lot of stuff. There were there were uh, many a times, you know, those little uh, pogo balls uh, where you slap the ball kind of off the end of the paddle. Uh, that's where our, my mom and my aunts and everybody, once we started breaking stuff, they would, uh, that ball would come off that that paddle. And uh, that that was their uh, way of saying, we're going we're gonna to calm down a little bit. Oh, Craven, you're muted. I got you. Uh, when you when you get to Oklahoma, you eventually are on that you know 2000 uh, national championship team. You're a captain for that team. What was that experience like? And maybe what are some of your favorite memories from that? Just being around that group of guys. Well, I'll tell you what. I had a lot of great memories. Um, just again, just growing up around that program and, and having the opportunity to go and play there. Um, getting recruited by John Blake, who was a great man. Uh, still, um, you know, still had a great relationship up until he passed here a couple years ago. Um, but then when you know, him recruiting us and then all, all the coaches I had, uh, you know, pre-Stoops and then Coach Stoops getting there in 1999 and, and bringing that staff in and uh, building relationships with that crew. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, learned a lot of a lot of uh, 
great lessons. Uh, obviously, uh, all those guys knew I wanted to coach, so they were all awesome about letting me uh, come around the offices and sitting in and, and watching film with them. And, and uh, you know, and one of my best friends, Josh Heupel, uh, he was the quarterback on that team, obviously run out for the Heisman. And, uh, but it, I can just remember on our way to two days, on, on our way to practice, just the conversations that we would have one day when we get an opportunity to, uh, to coach football, because uh, we both, it was a dream of both of ours. And so, um, you know, it was around a, a awesome crew. Uh, we had a lot of great leadership, especially on that national championship team. Um, and, you know, I just, I think the greatest memories, obviously the national championship, the big 12 championships, but really, uh, you know, some of the things that you remember the most are just in the locker room, hanging around the guys. We had a great cool group of guys that, uh, you know, all believed in the same, you know, things and pulled the rope in the same direction. And, and still have a lot of great, uh, those great relationships today. We're all on a bunch of group text and, uh, when, you know, we'll get the opportunity to get back and um, see each other. Uh, it's always an awesome time to be around each other and, and, and get back on some of the old memories. But uh, even some of the group tech stuff is a lot of fun just hearing from those guys and, and being able to see, uh, you know, following everybody. It's, it's really cool. So I think it's a great bond that we all have, uh, obviously. Uh, we had a great experience uh, when we were there, but at the same time, just the friendships that you've uh, kind of gained over the years, and uh, those are friends for life. They always will be. You know, locker rooms can get a little heated sometimes. Can There can be uh, some masculine testosterone going on. Did anybody ever try you with your wrestling background, or did they uh, know? We, we had a lot of fun in that locker room. Now, we had some We had some actually really good wrestlers. Kelly Gregg was an unbelievable wrestler out of high school. I think he was a three- or four-time state champion um, and, and a lot more, but – uh, one of my favorite memories is we would be wrestling in the locker room and me and Chris Hammonds uh, called him Hambone. It was one of our tight ends and uh, we would go at it and neither one of us would, uh, you know, and, and more so the wrestling. We were kind of doing some jujitsu type stuff before we even know what jujitsu was back then and putting each other in locks and, and different things. And I'll never forget, we got in trouble by uh, Coach Hayes and Coach Stoops one time because we we're in the locker room and neither one of us tapped. And I think uh, one of us ended up, it wasn't me, he, he ended up, uh, uh, and not because he was the he's one of the toughest guys on the team, but, uh, you know, I think, uh, he, he wouldn't tap and I think I held it maybe a little bit too long. And so I think he ended up tearing up the meniscus. Uh, didn't keep him out. He was a tough dude that, uh, ended up playing on it, but it was, uh, we, we got, uh, we got some hot water for that one. That's for sure. Every wrestler I know has a, has either one extreme opinion or the other on it, professional wrestling on like WWE, where do you fall? on like you know that kind of wrestling compared to like wrestling do you find it entertaining do you find it annoying kind of where are you at with that no I, i'll tell you what growing up i watched it a ton uh growing up and you know even even through college all, all of my roommates uh, uh we would do the monday night rolls and, and and kind of watch those we even went to a couple events um and had a lot of fun with it uh, obviously i haven't i haven't watched in a while uh, now that mma's on and all of that you know kind of uh, steer, steer a little bit more towards that way. But, uh, you know, we had a coach here a couple of years ago, Graham Harrell, uh, who, who was, uh, who loved it, who still loves it to this day. It's one of his favorite things. And so, uh, you know, we have a laugh every, every now and then, but I just, I, I, I'm not too big into it anymore. I think it's, uh, I think it's entertaining. It's fun. Just, um, you know, with kids and, and football and everything, don't have as much time as I did back then. You know, then after your career, you went GA'd at Kansas, and then you wound up the running back coach at Texas Tech under Mike Leach. Kind of, do you have a favorite early Mike Leach story of kind of like one of the first times you met him or maybe when you were interviewing for the job or whatever? Because everybody I know who knows Coach Leach has – he's a pretty unique cat. All right, if I sit here and told you all the Mike Leach stories that I know, we'd be sitting on this podcast for a long time. But, uh, uh, you know, unbelievable man. Obviously, he was there in 1999 as our offensive coordinator. Uh, got the opportunity to play for him for one season. Um, and then for him to give me the opportunity to come back, I don't, I don't know exactly uh, how old I was. It was in 2004. At that age, uh, being a full-time coach at running backs in the Big 12, um, was an unbelievable opportunity. And, and probably not a lot of guys who, who – who, could have or would have done that uh, for such a young guy. So I owe him uh, a ton. Um, you know, he was awesome uh, guy to work for. Always let you coach your position, um, you know, and, and, you know, he's never just sitting there staring over your shoulder. So, you know, he was he was an unbelievable mentor for me, uh, still a great friend, and uh, we have a lot of great memories. And, and to be honest, that, that entire staff, um, I thought we had an incredible staff, uh, guys that we, we still have a, uh, all have great relationships with each other. Um, you know, we were a really young staff. Not many guys were married on the staff. So we hung out together. We, we had a lot of uh, fun, fun times. And, 
um, it, it'll be one of those staffs that go down. It, it, it's you'll, you'll have a lot of great memories of that group. Yeah, I, mean, I want to say four out of the 12 FBS coaches in the state of Texas right now were on Mike Leach's staff between 2002 and 2005, at least at one point. What, what is it about him that kind of created so many young, smart, intelligent coaches, specifically on the offensive side of the ball? Because there's Sonny Dykes, Dana Holgerson, you, Dave Aranda was a GA there at one point. So what, what is it about him that kind of – and how Mummy as well, like just kind of created this like system that everybody's able to kind of be successful with? Yeah, you had Lincoln Riley, you had Bill Bedenboe, um, who's an incredible mind. Um, I, I think the biggest thing is uh, he believed in the system. Uh, he was very confident in what we did. We did um, trusted in the players. It's the whole thing was to go out there, coach the players up, and let them go out and play fast without thinking. Um, and so we try to keep it as simple as possible. I think uh, you know it's a true system that um, you know it, it's it's a lot like the triple option. To be honest with you, it's. We're going to go out and do what we do. Uh, we're going to know the answers to it. Our players are going to know the answers to it. Um, and so I think that's the biggest thing is just keeping it simple for the guys, let them go out and believe in it and uh, just go make plays. And I think uh, he had a lot of confidence in what we did. And I think that carried down to the coaches and the players. Um, and so uh, we just, we, we had a lot of fun, man. It was uh, it's a great system and, and uh, he knows how to coach it up. As a running backs coach, did you ever like, hey, Mike, you know, maybe we can maybe we can run the ball a little bit more? Every now and then, but uh, Coach Leach is Coach Leach. You know, he, he knows exactly what he has in his mind and, and what it's supposed to look like week in and week out. And so at the end of the day, my, my whole thing's always been uh, winning football games. And so whatever we have to do to win games, that's all I care about. It's not about uh, one group, one position. Uh, it's about the team and all of us pulling the rope in the same direction. So. Uh, I didn't ever tell Coach Leach too much. I coach my guys uh, up to the best of my abilities and hopefully get them ready for each and every week. And uh, that's exactly what we did. Your next stop was at Arizona where you uh, coach Rob Gronkowski, who ended up having a, a pretty big career and a pretty big personality. What was Gronk like back in those days before he was, you know, mega Gronk? The same. Uh, I don't think he's changed a bit. Neither him or his brother, Chris. Uh, they were both there, um, you know, and uh, always great guys. People, uh, People would be very surprised. They were guys that uh, they, they never made below Bs. They were A and B students, um, took the classroom very seriously. Um, and so, but they, they love ball. Um, and so it was never hard in meeting rooms or out on the practice field. They were as hardworking as any, any group on that team. Um, but that, that's what they love to do. Um, now, having them in the same meeting would get very interesting at times. Uh, you know, they, uh, they have a lot of fun together, uh, uh, crack a lot of jokes. And well, we had a good, we had, again, we had a great group. Uh, a lot of fun memories, uh, but those guys were uh, uh, very intelligent and love ball and, and passionate about it. Yeah, you transitioned to Indiana, North Carolina as an offensive uh, coordinator. What's it like to kind of call plays for the first time? And, you know, you had been with Bob Stoops, and like we talked about, you had been with Mike Leach. Kind of where did your philosophy of offensive system kind of come about, and, and how long does it take to kind of really – build an identity as a play caller? Because I'd imagine that first year is a little bit of trial and error. It was. My first year was at Arizona when Sonny Dykes took the law tech job. Mike Stoops gave me an awesome opportunity to move into the uh, offensive coordinator role. And I'll be honest with you, um, at an age to where I still had a lot of football to learn and still do to this day. But, um, you know, the first, I'll tell you what, I remember that first game. It was uh, against Toledo uh, and it was nerve wracking. But I'll tell you what, I, I came into a situation to where the system was already in place. Um, Sonny Dykes had installed it. Uh, we were doing a lot of the air raid concepts, but, you know, um, obviously used a little bit more two tight end sets, one tight end, 11 personnel, 12 personnel, and, and ran the ball a little bit more. And so I, I kind of continued and fed off that, uh, obviously being there for a couple of years before he left and got the opportunity. And so with the system being in place, now it's about, you know, finding the things. Everybody has to be their own guy. Um, you know, you just kind of grow into the position and then having the opportunity. I've been fortunate. I've, I've worked under some unbelievable uh, offensive uh, coaches, not only head coaches, but even the guys on the staffs uh, that believe in the same things. But going there to uh, and, and learning under Coach Leach, Coach Dykes, uh, then going to uh, Indiana where Kevin Wilson's, I think, one of the greatest offensive minds out there. Uh, extremely uh, very solid and not only knowing offenses, but defenses where guys are our fits and the reads and all that he taught me uh, was incredible. And then having a guy like Larry Fedora at North Carolina. So I've been very fortunate to work for some really good offensive coaches uh, that have, that have taught me a lot, um, you know, kind of molded me and, and helped me grow into a play caller. And 
And obviously, not only is that, but, uh, uh, you know, eventually getting here, uh, being a head coach, you know, you learn a little bit from everybody. Uh, you take the things that fit your personality and, and kind of mold it into who you want to look like as a, as a coach and as a program. And that's kind of I've been fortunate to be around a lot of great people. Do you consider yourself an air raid guy or at one point did you consider yourself an air raid guy? And I guess what is the definition of that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think we have a lot of the same concepts, but uh, Coach Leach would definitely not call me an air raid guy these days. He'd probably call me a run raid guy. Yeah, uh, you're running days. too much. Uh, Holgerson, running. Holgerson said he got kicked out of the club because he ran the I, ball a little too much. I think I'm kicked out as well, but uh, no, we laugh about it all the time. But a lot of the same principles, obviously. And, and I, I think more so than the plays, you, you it's with within the system, trying to keep it simple. I still believe in that philosophy. Let the guys go out and play fast. Um, but you're going to still have a lot of the same concepts that, uh, you know, we've done over the years. And, um, you know, that's what we do. That's what we know. Um, but then also you have to fit it to your personality. I believe in fitting personality and then also your personnel. Um, each and every year you're going to have something a little different. Um, you know, where are your strengths? Where are your weaknesses? Um, every quarterback's a little bit different, obviously, in the passing game. Uh, different guys like different things. So trying to fit it to the, their personality as well. And, um, but also staying true to your system, you know, keeping it simple and, and playing fast. So, again, I think the biggest thing is just being you and who you are and who your team is and uh, going from there. From uh, North Carolina, you get the head coaching job at North Texas. I believe you were, what, 36, 37 years old uh, when you are hired at North Texas. Like, how, how ready can you possibly be for that first head coaching job, especially at that age? Well, it was uh, obviously it was challenging. I was really, really excited. Um, you know, uh, never dreamed I would uh, have the opportunity, especially at that age, to become an, uh, a head coach. And, uh, I'll tell you what, when I got here, it was an exciting time, but I'll never forget the night before that press conference. I think I called Larry back and I was like, oh, my gosh, can I have my job back? I don't know. I'm a little nervous, coach. But, uh, you know, just uh, I had a lot of great people that I could get on the phone with and ask questions and, and uh, a lot of great mentors that helped me along the way. Um, you know, but it was, it was a really exciting time and it's, uh, it's been a blessing. Uh, we've loved, uh, North Texas, me and my family, uh, love this community, uh, love this area we live in kind of back closer to home, uh, being able to see, um, again, I told you earlier, we're a very tight family with, uh, my sister and my, my parents get to come up on the weekends and, uh, watch the games, be around my children. My, my kids get to be around their cousins. And so, uh, not only North Texas is they, they've been unbelievable. The, you know, coach, uh, or, or Ren and, and Neil have done a great job of, uh, you know, leading our program and giving us resources to be successful, but, uh, we've had a lot of fun. If you could go back and talk to yourself in that first year, you know, kind of what are some of the pieces of advice or maybe what's the biggest difference between coach Latrell in year one and coach Latrell in year six? Oh man, uh, that's, that would be a good question to maybe ask some of my, my guys who have been with me since day one. But, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing is just being yourself. I think uh, no matter what, you have to, uh, whatever you're doing, you have to be you. Uh, you can't try to be someone else. I'm never going to be a, a Bob Stoops. You know, everybody's going to be different. And so Josh Heupel has to be Josh Heupel. Dana has to be Dana. And I think that's the biggest thing within, uh, I think, running any organization is uh, believing who you are and, uh, you know, treat people uh, the right way uh, with respect, treat your players uh, the right way and, and uh, you know, go to go to work each and every day and, and have a passion for it. And that's uh, kind of the way I've ran this program. I believe in family. I run this program uh, as a big family. Um, and I think the biggest thing is still a relationship business. You have to have those relationships, still a people business and, uh, you know, treat people with the, the way that uh, you'd want to be treated and, and go after it. And everybody's on the same page, pulling the rope on the same direction. I think you can have success in doing that. I think if we look at your tenure, you know, when we're talking about North Texas football, we mentioned Seth Luttrell. And then I think the next name is probably Mason Fine. Yeah. What was kind of how did he end up at North Texas? How did you kind of get him? You know, how did he kind of fly under the radar the way that he did? And how quickly did you know he could be a, a legit superstar? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I was very fortunate to get Mason, uh, you know, and, and really uh, knew one of his high school head coaches uh, was actually a head coach uh, at Muskogee, where my hometown was. Uh, and so just having a great relationship with his head coach, um, you know, he was sending me film throughout the year and saying, hey, man, you really need to take a look at this kid. Um, and so just uh, watching his tape. And, and once I got here, uh, obviously, we were kind of switching offenses a little bit. And so just trying to find the right guy for, that would fit our system, 
uh, he, he ran a very similar system to what we did in, in high school. Um, and then the more you watch this tape and just compared it to other guys that you were recruiting, um, just it was it was night and day, to be honest with you. No one was really close to his uh, tape. You know, when you sit and watch it game by game and the things that he was doing, uh, the hardest thing to get over is the one thing we always laughed about. I mean, he was he was not going to have the measurables. He was not going to have the size that maybe you wanted. Um, but just everything else uh, was so much higher uh, that, uh, you know, we, we were going to sacrifice for it. So just having the opportunity to get him down here and, and be a part of our program, I'd, I'll be honest with you, I didn't think it would uh, be as quick as it was. Um, I felt like, you know, get him here, get him bigger, stronger, faster, let him learn, uh, hopefully sit a, a year and, and hopefully be ready here in the next couple of years to be uh, kind of our future of our program. But uh, since day one, he had a chip on his shoulder. He came in here. He was extremely smart, uh, competitive, uh, very respected by his teammates, the way he worked, the way he went about his business. And uh, just so happened, man, after uh, kind of the – after in the middle of the SMU game, I'll never forget. Uh, it was early in the season, maybe game two. And I asked him. Uh, we were kind of sputtering a little bit offensively. And I said, are you ready to go in there and, and make some plays for us? Or do you want a red shirt? He looked me in the eye and he goes, coach, I'm not, I'm not here to red shirt. I want to go out there and play. And so, and the rest is history. Um, you know, did some really good things as a true freshman. Ended up getting hurt. Uh, really the only time in his career we got hurt and had to miss games uh, was kind of the second half of his freshman year. Uh, got hurt. And, uh, and so kind of finished out that year and then came back and just had an unbelievable sophomore uh, junior seasons and obviously the rest is history but uh, um, a really really uh, uh, great player uh, for this program and uh, um, you know obviously he'll be a guy that'll be remembered around here for a long time. Well, speaking of another guy that'll be remembered there for a long time you know DeAndre Torrey uh, began you know he y'all led the league in rushing the last two years after having such a passing offense with Mason Fine as a former running back how much satisfaction do you kind of get from, you know, being one of the best rushing teams in, in Conference USA and, and even in the nation last year in 2021? Well, I believe in having a toughness and having a physicality about it. I think that's a mindset, um, you know, and that's, uh, again, just going back to kind of some of the things I talked about earlier, you got to be you. Uh, I believe in it. And, you know, something that uh, I felt like earlier on, uh, we could have maybe done a little better job of running the football, um, you know, but we've, uh, uh like I said, the biggest thing to me is winning football games. And so looking at your strengths, um, you know, offensively, you're in, you're out, what you have, uh, again, uh, and what defenses are giving you. I believe in having balance as an offense. Uh, I think you have to – and what I, what I talk about when I talk about balance, it's not so much 50-50 run pass. It's uh, balance to me is being able to uh, do whatever you have to do uh, to win that game and, and what the defenses are giving you. If they're heavy on the boxes and they're – they're giving you one-on-one -on -one matchups, being able to go out there and compete and make those plays in the passing game. Um, but if they're kind of spread out and kind of more spread stuff and they're not they're not putting enough hats in the box, I, I do believe you have to uh, run the football. And I think year in and year out, I think that physicality will help you, uh, you know, hopefully in the long run win championships. Yeah, at one point this last year, you guys are, are one and six and, and really struggling. What was there – what was going on behind the scenes – they gave you and that team enough confidence and faith in each other to run out that five-game winning streak to reach bowl eligibility and kind of salvage that year. Well, first off, you, know, you have to give a ton of credit to our coaches and our players. Um, they didn't. They never gave in. And I think that has to go back with those relationships we talked about earlier. I believe in family uh, and how we run this program, being on the same page, pulling the rope in the same direction. Uh, these kids fought extremely hard. They never gave in. Um, just listening to the voice in those rooms, um, we were all in it together. Uh, I think that's a, a, a testament to, a, you know, our leadership that we have on this team. Um, but we had a lot of adversity early. There's no doubt in my mind. We, we had a lot of injuries, um, especially at our skill positions. I think our top four to five guys were out by game three. Uh, and so we kind of had to recreate, uh, uh, create a new identity of who we were going to be. Um, and that ended up being a little bit more 12 personnel because uh, we were really thin especially at the receiver position and, and uh, run the run. We we're a little deeper at the running back position, although we got banged up as we went, um, you know, but, uh, you know, run the ball, play action and take our shots. And, uh, you know, we, our team bought into that. Uh, you know, I think just being year one with our defensive staff and our defense uh, and that system, I think, you know, it took a little bit of time early on. And then once they kind of got in that and, 
the more comfortable they got throughout the year, um, you know, obviously it was going to take a huge effort for our defense in order for us to win games as well. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe on social media, I saw a picture of you riding a mechanical bull on a, on a recruiting trip. I, I want to know if that was the first time ever on a mechanical bull. You ever been on a real bull kind of, you know, where those Oklahoma roots had to come out, I would imagine at some point, right? Well, I'll tell you, I've, we, we did grow up uh, riding mechanical bulls. I, I grew up on horses. My mom actually was a barrel racer growing up. And so uh, I was on uh, horses a lot growing up, but I had never ridden a bull. Um, that's the one thing I had been on a lot of mechanical bulls. And we used to uh, go out there with the, uh, the old barrel and the, and the ropes. We'd, we'd try to throw each other off on those as well. Um, but I'll tell you what, it was always uh, a goal of mine to go out and ride a bull one day. And then uh, once I just sat on top of that bull, I figured, ah, that's not for me. Um, just it, those, are, those are really powerful animals. And uh, uh, it was really cool just getting on top of a bull. But I told him, uh, there's one thing, make no mistake about it. If you pull this gate open, uh, we're going to be fighting afterwards. <laughs> I've kind of done the same thing, right? I had, I had the helmet on. I was ready to go and everything. And then you, you, you're right. You feel it. You can just feel yeah. that power and, and it's different. Um, than anything else. Uh, before we let you go, I talked to Coach Cobbs, and he he wanted me to ask you how your jump shot's coming along. <laughs> I was like you said, I was a wrestler growing up, so uh, my my basketball game's not not great. We we do have a uh, we play a little uh, a game uh, with the staff at lunch. We call it Scotty, but it's a little three point around the world game. We uh, go two on two matchups, and so. My three-pointer is getting a little better. I'm, I'm actually able to hit uh, hit the rim at times uh, to where when I first got in there, it was pretty bad. So we have a lot of fun with it. Uh, it's a great workout for us, and uh, it gets pretty competitive. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I was going to say, you need to turn it into like a 21 game. That way your physicality, you know, you could just be a 3 and D guy. You know, that defense, you lock guys up there, I'd imagine. Oh, when they start running the courts and, and uh, going full court and really having to play uh, kind of uh, – true basketball one-on-one -on -one against each other, I'm out. Uh, I'm too old for that. I've, I've seen way too many coaches uh, uh, pop uh, pop ACLs, and, and and the worst fear would be uh, that Achilles tendon. I've seen some guys pull that Achilles tendon or tear it, and I'm too old for that. Yeah, it may be more dangerous than the bull, to be honest that's, with you. That's exactly right. That's right. All right, Coach. Well, we really appreciate the time. Um, good luck this offseason. I know spring practice coming up and everything like that. We'll be back in touch for magazine stuff, I'd imagine, here in about a month or so. It's always a pleasure. I appreciate you all. Thanks, Coach. That was Seth Luttrell. Thanks again to program at North Texas for setting that up for us and Coach for sitting down and giving us some time uh, in his little, little bit of a lull time before uh, spring camp begins. Craven. What did you learn about Seth Luttrell <laughs> that you did not learn before? That he can smile. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, I, and I mean that like in a very yes. – I'm also uh -huh. somebody with a flat face. Yes. So, like, I, I understand how that happens. He's right? a but, very matter-of-fact But person. he just seems like a very serious, yes. like I said, matter-of-fact person. Not mean or anything right, right. like that, but just, like, his face usually looks like one of an army general going into battle, right? Yes. Like, he's a very serious man. And so uh, to kind of see him joke around and talk about his childhood and talk about wrestling with his cousins and breaking some stuff at his grandma's house, and, you know, just like stories like that that kind of give you a glimpse into the human because we all look at these head coaches like they're like robots, right? Mm -hmm. Like they are like five-star generals and stuff like that. Sure. But they're just people with stories like mm -hmm. everyone else who grew up and made mistakes and had fun and, and different stuff. And so, um, yeah, just I, I just learned that he had some more personality than maybe I had given him credit for or known about or been able to kind of get, get behind as somebody who's not like a beat writer who hangs out at North Texas all the time. I think my favorite part of the interview was when you asked him about riding the mechanical bull because he had visited Coy Eakin down in Stephenville, yeah. and there was a picture that surfaced on Twitter about uh, Seth Luttrell riding that, that yeah. mechanical bull, and you were like, did you grow up like, 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 is this a normal thing for you? And he was just like, yeah. Like, yeah, because I'm also, I was country, comfortable I, on I'm that I'm also bowl. a country kid, right? <laughs> yeah. So like yeah. there's a barrel hooked up to a rope and it's your mechanical bull, right? Yeah. You right, sit on the, you sit on the barrel and like, you can, like another person can take that rope and bang you up and down and try to get you off the barrel. Right. Like that's something I did at eight. Sure. sure. So right. like, you know, I assumed he had been on one before. 
I was surprised that he had never ridden an actual bull. Right, uh, right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know, one. I thought I thought there had been a time in Seth Luttrell's life where he had pulled the chute open. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, and Wouldn't be another surprised. similarity between Seth Luttrell and I is we both chickened out as soon as we were on top of an actual bull. <laughs> right. right. You sit on top of the nope. bull, you realize how mad it is that that rope is attached to the part of the bull that it is attached to, and you're like, if you open because he even said that, he yeah. goes, he go, I, and I said, if, if, if you open that gate, we're going to fight. Yeah. <laughs> and we had spent the first five minutes of the interview learning that Seth Luttrell can fight. Yes. Right? Like he, he like told a story of an Oklahoma teammate that he like hurt right. during a wrestling match or whatever <laughs> that they turned into like jujitsu MMA or whatever, you know? And yeah. so uh, I thought that was pretty funny. And then the other thing that I learned, um, I always like a- asking real wrestlers what they feel about wrestling oh sure sure. Uh-huh. you know like and if he was into it or whatever and, yeah. and he's more of an mma guy mm-hmm. he's fair. more of an yeah. mma but i, I learned that graham harrell is super super into wrestling really just super into it so the for- next time i talk to graham harrell we are we are talking <laughs> wwe aew i was about to say for those of you that do not know there is no shorter than four or five people in this office yeah. <laughs> that are into professional wrestling. This is a very, very heavy professional wrestling hive here, here in this office. Yes, so we Graham are, Harrell. We are into it. Yes, Graham Harrell, come see us. Come talk yeah. to us. We will, yeah. we will chat. We'll have you on the podcast. Oh, my God. I will, if we had a podcast of just talking to Graham Harrell about AEW or WWE, I'm in. Right, just I'm a in. weekly spot. Like oh he calls in and we, like, review. <laughs> yeah. We review, like, uh, Rampage. Dynamite yeah. Rampage. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'd be yeah. so into that. Coach, if you're listening. Call us. <laughs> call us. We'll get us. I'll set it. I'll set it up for you. Yeah, hey, I'm yeah, the producer got two, here. Got two I'll uh, new and tea here. So <laughs> yeah, let us know. Um, anyway, but uh, yeah. So Mallory, you have some questions about North Texas, right? Yeah, I came up with a couple. Just uh, I thought that you know, going into a mind of a North Texas grad or, or fan, you know, what what are you curious about heading into the 2022 season? Mm-hmm. Uh, the first question I came up with is uh, about the quarterback position. Obviously, it was a little rocky this past season, switching between Jace Ruder and Austin Nani kind of earlier in the season. So what is that quarterback situation going to look like coming up? I don't think that North Texas can be any better than they were this year if Austin Ani or Jace Ruder is their starting quarterback. Right. I, I kind of agree with that. I, I They picked up J.D. Head. Uh, from Law Tech, mm-hmm. who uh, is a Paraland native, I believe. Yes. And so, you know, maybe he comes in and helps. But I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, over the summer there's another name that pops up that maybe, you know, they go through spring practice at their school and it's clear that they're not going to be a star. You know, somebody like a Hudson Card at Texas. Sure. Or maybe not that big of a name, right, but, right. like, somebody who goes through a spring realizes I'm not that guy and he transfers in May or June. I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of figure out a one one year stop gap between, you know, now and when JD heads like officially ready to take over maybe in twenty twenty three. But that offense was just so limited. Like I was at the bowl game. Like I covered the bowl game right. first. Like you, you really are one hand behind your back mm-hmm. with that type of quarterback play. And at his heart, Seth Luttrell wants to run, throw the football. Right. Like he, you that's know, they want to the run the football, and that's, it's great to have balance. But when North Texas has won nine-plus games, it's been because they're throwing the football around and yeah. having success in that way. And you just you just can't convince – Austin Austin is almost 30 years old. Like, there's not another jump for him to make. This is just who he is sure. as a quarterback. And that's, that's fine, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know – but they're going to have to figure out something else if they want to have a higher ceiling than they had this year. They also have got they also got Stone Earl too from Abilene Christian too. But it looks like he's more of a, a passing quarterback rather sure. than more of a mobile one, which I think that's kind of what North Texas might need um, in the future. But who knows? Yeah, I, I, I meant uh, they haven't really had great success with transfers. Um, uh, yeah, you mentioned Jace Ruder. Uh, if you remember Romani Gilmore mm-hmm. uh, from Kentucky, I believe, or Duke, I can remember. Let me yeah. see. Yeah, uh, from Kentucky. Um, so like we, they I, they've thrown the transfer thing, and then that doesn't mean they give up, right? They obviously couldn't continue to do it, but they haven't. I don't think they've found their really their niche because Gilmore was more of a mobile quarterback, Ruder's more of a traditional passer. So mm-hmm. I think they were trying to figure out what style they wanted. I think Stone Earl is an interesting pick. Um, I, now it's granted it's hard for this is kind of I think Craven I think me and you've had this discussion before in the past where it's like it's hard if you're not a Cameron Ward it's hard to make that FCS to FBS jump right, right away right. Um, and so Stone Earl might be somebody for, I believe he's still a fresh he'd be a freshman mm-hmm. he's still, still young yeah. so like he could be later on down the line but as far as being somebody this year I don't know they need a band-aid yeah exactly they that that's that's the point they need a band-aid and 
at this point, you're approaching, what, year three of Asanani potentially being that Band-Aid? Um, which, again, they can make a bowl with them, clearly. Sure. Clearly. Yeah. You can go six and six, seven yeah. and five. Um, but that's, I agree, that's probably the ceiling. I don't see them getting any better with, and if it, if it stays the way it is right now, I think he's the guy. Especially right? with DeAndre Torrey gone. Right. Uh, yeah, I was right? Like, say, There's not yeah. a guy back there in the backfield you can just give the ball to 25 times a game right. and then just, you know, don't throw interceptions. Right. They're, right. they're going to need more from the passing offense in 2022, and I don't know if it comes from the guy on campus. Yeah. Right. Right now, St- um, last year, Stoner had 1,200 yards, 13 touchdowns, four interceptions at ACU, 65% completion. So he can play. Obviously, he was a freshman coming out of Keller. Um I don't know if he went to Keller or where exactly. But point is, um, there is talent there, but probably not talent for next year. So, honestly, unless, again, unless something like you mentioned where it's a June, May, June transfer after spring camp, might be running it back with the with the veterans. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Switching to the other side of the ball, the defense as a whole gave up almost 400 yards a game and allowing around 27 points to be scored a game. What improvements do we need to see from the defense as a whole in order for them to have success? I honestly think we saw those improvements in the second half of the season. Mm. You know, if you look over those last five or six games when they were having that that win streak, they were only giving up 14 or 17 Mm -hmm. points a game. And so they really came on uh, late. Now, a lot of that's the Murphy Twins. And it'll be interesting to see if they're both. They, yeah, they both transferred now. Right, they're too. in the transfer portal. portal. Um, you know, they haven't picked a new place yet, so maybe they can kind of recruit them back to North Texas. So having guys up front um, can really help. I, you know, Phil Bennett's tremendous. Like, there's mm-hmm. there's just not many coaches at the Conference USA level that can like match him in terms of experience and knowledge. So I think scheme wise, they're going to be fine. It's just can they keep the horses on campus they need to really run that defense in, in, in a way. Because it's, it's not X's and O's, it's Jane's and Joe's. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's true. That's just a thing. I mean, I heard it at the coaching clinic at Lone Star, right? Like, coaches right. know that. that you, can't, you can't out-scheme over talent like that. And so, uh, for them, as, it's probably just keeping guys on campus and then continuing in with another year of Phil Bennett and knowing that system a little bit more. Yeah. Right. I think against the run, they were, they, were, they were really good against the run. I think compared to 2020, I was doing some research – they gave up almost 290 on the ground in 2020 compared to two around 148 this past mm-hmm. year. Uh, per attempt, they were down two yards. They gave up six yards of carry in 2020, down to four. Um, again, that will change if they can't keep the guys we mentioned, the, the, the twins that are, you know, that, are, that, are, that are transferring. If they can't get them back, that will obviously be a huge hole to replace. But I do think that the run defense is something that is a kernel that they could really look to to be like, look, here's a legitimate metric step forward that we kind of saw – um, that I think is going to be something they could uh, rely on. And I think the pass rush was also pretty good, too. Like, the secondary – It was the secondary that was really right. questionable. Yes, exactly. The secondary was is the problem, and that will be the problem. And right. kind of the – is what you hope they would – what they'll obviously realize that they need to solve through whatever means they can. But I think everywhere else, I'm pretty okay with it, right? Pass rush, I'm okay with. Um, and, again, this is all, you know, question marks that they can bring back um, – Bring back those guys or not, but pass rush I'm okay with, run game I'm okay with, um, but it's just secondary. that secondary we need to see improvements from. Right, I think right. is that, it's the showed, ultimate answer. It showed in some of their big losses that that's mm-hmm. pretty combustible. Side note: How weird would it be to be a transfer that hadn't picked a new school, but you still got to go to class, right? Because you right. got to remain academically. I've always thought about that when you like go find your new school. Right. So you know, the Murphys are just like going to class at North Texas, but right. they can't like participate in any team activities because right. they're in the transfer portal so like you, know, you go to english student. class or whatever you're you just know? sitting there yeah. chilling <laughs> yeah you're just like a normal dude and your teammates are like hey man come work out and you're like i can't right no, i can't right i can't go do that or stuff. how like, about gotta be a weird a weird place to be you right. see a coach mm-hmm. you know and it's like this awkward kind of like you know purgatory type right. you know thing that you got going on this is a very weird new reality in college football well how about a, a guy that in- enters the portal but then comes back yeah. Right. Like, that's even more hey, awkward, guys, I think, kidding, in a sense. Like, know, hey, like, yeah, I'm right. not going to go anywhere better. I'm going right. to stay here. Like, uh, <laughs> I, feel like there's I tried Tinder for a few weeks, and <laughs> I, didn't like, I didn't like what my results were, call and her uh, her here up. we are. You know, like, Let me call her back up. You up? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's what I feel like. It's, it's oh, a little yeah, awkward. The dating scene's not what I thought it was. I'm, wow. I'm back. What's up, guys? No. Um, Tell me about it. One of the stories that I think somebody hinted at it on, the, on, on Twitter, I would love to hear – how the admissions people feel about transfers. Yeah. Cause like, those are like the unsung heroes of like, tran- of the transfer cycle. Cause like so much of, we never hear about, 
yeah, you know, he's got to turn in his transcript. Like, yeah. we, never, we never hear about any of those issues, but, like, because they're usually seamless. Like, right. they just get them transferred, boom, here's their transcript, the essay, whatever they need. They're usually just done. And there's some, you know, everybody has an admissions office. Everybody has a transfer office. Like, I want to know what it's like when Quinn Ewers was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm reclassifying, going to Ohio State. By the way, I'm leaving Ohio State, going to Texas, in school by the winter, right? You know, like, right. I want to know the guy that was like, all right, I'm I'm the I'm the one that has the hope the future of Texas football on my shoulders. If if make sure there's with Sark standing right behind <laughs> you, you know, make sure like, that fax goes Sark, through, buddy. Sarkeesian's like right behind you, like turn that to a 4.0. You know, like <laughs> no, he like like give him that credit. Like, right, right, what are you exactly. what are you talking about? Like exactly. that credit doesn't transfer. We're creating <laughs> that credit. Then right. you know, like yes. we will have that class yes. next History year. History 164. What? Right. Well, we, that doesn't convert. No, like, we will. Convert. His does major convert. doesn't exist here. Like it does now. <laughs> It does now. Like, what does Quinn want to do? Because right. that is now a major at the university. I'll teach the class. Right, yeah. right. That'd be an interesting piece to do. Yeah, I'd be real like, interested that in that. Never gets brought up. Right. It's just like, oh, they're just out of school. It's because right? we all know it's a farce. Oh, no, yeah, 100%. yeah. Right. It's because we all just don't have any, like. That's how little faith we have. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. In like student athletes, right. you know, right. where it's just like those problems never come up and they never get talked about because they're not real problems. Right. Like, it's just like, just here, come play. Right. You know, this yeah. is a billion dollar business. We're not worried about your, right. You know, uh-huh. like I'm doing you're not a normal sports, student. Like, yeah. you just like, it's fine. You're, right. a, ju- you're a junior. Go yes. throw that football. Well, like, who was the guy? Uh, Luke McCaffrey at Rice. Right. He transferred like twice. Well, like Tate Martell. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a better example. Yeah. Yeah. Better example. Tate Martell's got doctorate degrees from like <laughs> seven different schools or whatever. You know, there's no way that like, Half of his credits transferred right. no from like any of these right. schools. I had to fight. Yeah, I. That's a great. Point. You go from Michigan to Miami. <laughs> right. You know, like to those UNLV. academic e- institutions. Like Miami's like we've never even heard of trigonometry. You know, like what are you <laughs> right. talking about? Yeah. No. Quick story. I my uh, sophomore year at North Texas, I started off. Ma- so I, I majored in the. Uh, broadcast journalism mm-hmm. department at North Texas. I switched over to Converge Broadcast Media, which is more. Some of those credits didn't even transfer. So if you're telling me that school, those yeah. <laughs> and those aren't transferring, Mallory, something's up. If you could run the football, <laughs> those credits tra- would transfer. Absolutely <laughs> transferred. They would have absolutely oh, transferred. Man. Like, what's your forty time? <laughs> Coach, I'm a oh, psychology you're major. What do I need? Astrology for <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> Transfers, buddy. You're a football major. <laughs> right, oh, right. geez, that's funny. Uh, well, one yeah. day we'll probably have an episode fully dissecting that because there's yeah. there that is another world, right? I, there. I'm here to be recorded bashing the NCAA oh, for 100%. as long as these microphones will allow me. To talk. <laughs> if I had, if I ever had, like, Centers. you ever get that question of like, if you had to give a TED talk tomorrow, what Ooh. what topics could you just like do just one like, on? Yeah, that's a good question. I could talk for 45 minutes about just like just the farce that is. Yeah, student athlete. That's that funny. is great. I will probably have one over uh, the worst rule in football, which is the touchback rule on for offenses. So that's another tangent. But yeah, yeah that's I a good think one. we can all rant about something. Yeah, in right. Football. So yeah. Anyway, Mallory, you got anything else? Yeah, we got one last question. Mm-hmm. The Mean Green finished this season six and seven with a bowl loss in the postseason. What are some realistic expectations for the Mean Green in the twenty twenty two season? And luckily, the schedule just came out, yeah. so we can. Discuss that we uh, well, we, we, we open the if they got twelve games or nine games on that schedule, <laughs> so uh, it could get a little interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do think it goes back to that first question, right? If you tell me right now, Austin Ani is the quarterback of North Texas for the entirety of twenty twenty two, I think six and six, seven and five is about as realistic right. as, an expectation as you can get. Because that out of conference schedule is pretty tough. The in conference schedule is not going to get any easier. Uh, UTEP's getting better. UTSA is still going to be good. You know, they go to overtime with Rice. You know, there was very thin margins there. It's not like, and so I do. If you can tell me though that they have an improvement at the quarterback position, like an influx of talent there at the quarterback position, I think that they could, you know, kind of flirt with eight and four, even mm-hmm. maybe a nine and three, because I don't think the margins are all that big in Conference USA. Sure. Like I, I don't think the difference. You know, maybe between Western Kentucky and UTSA this year there was kind of a next level gap Mm -hmm. but you know rice beat uab you know there's there's not that you know from team three to team 12 in conference usa there's not a huge gap and then you get southern miss who's like way down there or whatever but right uh, Right. it's not like as the sec we've got alabama all the way up here and then missouri down at the bottom right right right. you can do what like baylor did in the big 12 right you just can get a piece or two if they can keep 
you know, the defensive ends there, and then they can keep uh, and they can get better at quarterback. I, I think that they can be eight and four, seven and five, and really kind of flirt with. You know, they would be a team that you don't want to play. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I, could s- I think that's where they need to be. Right. I'm looking at the schedule right now, and I see five for sure, like five that I would put money on right now that mm-hmm. they would get, um, which is solid for me. Like I see Texas Southern, UNLV. I'll put Rice down. Rice. Um, yeah. Southern Miss, Miss. Of course, we'll see what happens. FIU. Right. I put those down. Then that leaves you with obviously we talked about the upset. There could be an upset with UAB. They beat UTSA. Um, La Tech, UTEP are there. Like there are, there's an avenue definitely to improving a lot. Um, and I do think that non-conference, it's a decent balance of non-conference, right? SMU, Texas Southern, UNLV, Memphis. That's a decent. You can you can win you two of those for sure, and maybe some, an upset. Yeah, I was about to say if you upset somebody, sure. I'm not you're probably not upsetting SMU, but like you yeah. can upset a Memphis, right? They mm-hmm. weren't perfect last year. Um, UNLV and Texas Southern are probably you know scheduled wins basically. So I think. It's a decent it's a decent path to repeating, if not slightly better than what they did last year. And they're carrying all the momentum in the world. Yes. Right. Exactly. Like bowl, bowl they, games aren't that big of a deal. Yes. If they're right. trying to, if they're having to save their season again, that's a problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not set up to be like we need to win six straight games, right. you know. So right. um, yeah. I think it sets up pretty nicely. Yeah. That that's UNLV game could be kind of a that'll, that'll be, be a tipping interesting. point, right? Like yes. you lose that game. It is in Vegas. Now it's okay. What are you? Right. You win that game, like you said. You really just need to steal Smooth. one, yeah. and you're in a bowl game. And, and I think if you're North Texas, the goal is always just get to a bowl game, and then every couple of years you just you exceed that. You compete mm-hmm. for a conference championship. You find a Mason Fine or mm-hmm. you know something that kind of puts you over the top. Uh, but that's that ground floor should be six and six bowl game. They need a you, they need to win a bowl game too. Like it's 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 I don't think en- it's enough to just uh, go to a bowl game at this point. They they haven't won one in. Have they won a bowl game? I know they're they're zero and five in bowl games under Seth Luttrell, right? But I don't know That's if they have won. That's another interesting conversation. I do think bowl games matter more to the fans than they do to other people. Sure, right? yeah. Like, like I don't see bowl games as anything, right? Like right. they're just a, a free trip, another, and some swag, yeah. and like it's a month after you last played your last game. It's not a good indicator of what you are, win or lose. Uh, I don't think the players and the coaches think of it that way either. I just I think for fans it's one of those where it's the last thing you saw, so it can it can put a sour taste in your right. mouth. I was gonna but say like, it, it could like set UTSA up the rest of the next didn't season. Matter if yeah. they won or lost that game because a lot of times nowadays you're not even the team that you were a month before, right? Like right. DeAndre Torrey didn't play for North Texas. They won the, the 2013 Heart of Texas Bowl under McCarney. Okay. Okay. That you know you know what I mean? Like sincere yeah. McCormick didn't play for UTSA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like you just you don't. I don't judge bowl games anymore as like an indicator to anything. They're just exhibitions. And so if I'm, if I'm inside that locker room, I'm looking at like, we won our last five games and we're going into, to the off season knowing if we don't put ourselves behind the eight ball in that way, you know, an eight win, nine win season isn't out of the question. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a good point. Especially if it's, if it's a lower tier bowl game too, you know, it's not a near six or something like that. I mean, they made up a bowl game. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. When you didn't think they were going to, when they were one and five playing in that Marshall game, you know, know, I I don't think anybody inside that locker room is like, yeah, I mean, we won five straight to end it, but we lost that bowl game. So I don't know, you know, like I don't, I don't think that's the way any of them are looking at it. I think they look at it as like, you know, bowl games an exhibition. We didn't play our best football, but we, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't impact anything we're doing this off season. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. That's all I got. got. All righty. So that was our interview with Seth Latrell. Hope you guys liked it. Uh, Let us know uh, if you have any. If you have any questions about like a lot of these guys' lives, right? Because Craven will give his hints on Twitter, and if you figure it out, if you have a question about that you want to know about, you know their their upbringing or whatever, send it his way, and that's not going to be guaranteed it's going to be used because he's going to do his own research. But it just gives <laughs> them something else to be like, oh, I never thought of that. Sure. So yeah, you, you may not. You may know a couple things about that coach that I would never know. Like, sure. hey, uh, I heard this one time this thing. You know, right? Like, right. I heard Seth the truck and juggle. I don't know. Right. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe do it for us on Zoom. Yeah. I have no idea. But right. um, yeah, if you have any questions about that, send them to us, and we'll we'll see. If we can, we'll see if it's uh, if we haven't thought of it ourselves, and we'll fire it away as well. Uh, Craven, do you have a hint at the next one you're going to try to get? He's an Arkansas native, and he and he coaches close enough to drive to our office in Louisville. Ah, 
nice. I know. Okay, I was about nice to say, I, like, I don't know yep. what you're talking about until you said that. So, yeah, okay, <laughs> there you go. There's the hint for next week. Uh, we'll probably have an extra surprise for that one, too, mm-hmm. uh, which yep. we'll be able to reveal Yeah, I'm pretty on. excited about next week. Yeah, so we will let you guys know uh, as soon as that comes to, comes to fruition and actually happens. So uh, we'll talk to you guys then. Uh, remember to ra- uh, write, rate, Jesus, rate, review. You got magazine on the brain, writing magazine. That meeting <laughs> destroys me every time. Yeah. Um, that was my first one. Yeah. And my head hurt. <laughs> because we basically just signed away. Uh, that Every time we go to that meeting, it's like, ah, here's my next three months of my life. Yep. Just like just signed away. Yeah. Here we go. In in paper form, because Greg has all of our assignments on the board. And just like, yeah, that's that's a lot of stuff. To it do. was smart to hire me in September. Yeah, because it, the magazine felt so far away <laughs> that when I took the job, I was like, yeah, I, I know worry magazine season is going to be tough, but that's like eight months from now. That's right not now, you know that's not a big like, deal. And then it just gets on top of you, and you're just like, oh no, <laughs> oh no. Uh, so anyway, to keep us sane, uh, make us feel better when we look at these numbers. Rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, you're doing that because our numbers are growing, so we want to continue to make that uh, to continue to go up. So. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I've enjoyed this like interview. Pro- I've, I've learned a lot about each of the coaches. We've had four out of the 12 yeah. FBS coaches. will be five after next week. So And if you want to help us, get, us get some peer pressure on some of the other coaches. You'd yeah. be like, hey, coach. Uh, at Steve Sarkeesian, why aren't you going on <laughs> right. text? I don't know if he even mans that Twitter account, but regardless, just be like, why haven't you gone on? Call her at Aranda for us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Drop in his office and let, let yeah. him know. Because <laughs> he's just so quiet. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. Like, in my head, I was like, I think Jimbo and Sarkeesian are going to be the hardest ones I to mean, get on the podcast, but I think Aranda may be just because of just personality type. Right. Because, like, I wouldn't do it either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just won the Big 12. He's like, you know what I mean? Do like, I don't, I don't do what am I going to talk about myself for? I don't know. <laughs> Extension, I won the Big 12. I don't yeah. have to talk to anybody right, right now. I'm at, at Luby's in Waco. I'm good. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so we will talk to you guys next week and take care until then.